Welcome to another episode of Europe's B2B SaaS sales podcast. Today with Oliver Arbert, top producing senior account executive at Beekeeper, eight-figure ARR uh, scale-up, one of the most successful ones in Switzerland, I'd say. Uh, Oliver is already four and a half years with Beekeeper, which is a lifetime in sales and startup even combined <laughs> after actually doing um, his apprenticeship in real estate and then switching uh, to sales as a, as a well as a career path and so very successfully. So Oli, over to you, uh, what brought you into sales and uh, what's two actionable insights that helped you close already several six-figure deals in the last um, time? Wow, two big questions. Hi, Manuel. Thank you very much um, for having me here. Well, what was the change? Yeah, honestly, I was in this real estate industry and it was just, uh, it was just so 1990 old school and I really didn't feel at home um, for a very long time. So work was a was not a thing that I enjoyed particularly. <laughs> and it was a lot of um, hustle and struggle and yeah, not an easy thing if you want. So, and at some point I just figured, man, I, I need to change something. And I, I'm not surrounded by people who inspire me. Um, I'm not surrounded by a, an industry that is particularly inspiring to me. And I quit. I, I didn't have a, a, another job. They, they wanted to keep me there. They, they gave me the chance to stay. Um, but I said, no, I, I, need a, I need a change. And, and actually what happened then uh, was that I met Mila and uh, Chris uh, from Beekeeper. Head of sales, Doc, and uh, founder and CEO of Beekeeper. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Those two people. And a couple others, because they were partying uh, in the city of Baden. That's where I live. Um, yeah, and, and I met them for, I don't know, by chance. Started talking and, uh, you know, Mila tells me as the uh, head of sales for Switzerland back then, she tells me, well, I'm looking for a, I'm looking for a BDR, you know, and, you know, you come across like a person who uh, knows how to deal with people. And I said, okay. Um, let me check it out and I go and I, I check out Beekeeper and you know honestly I didn't have a clue about the SaaS, the SaaS world the startup world um, what's going on in that business of course you you would hear things now and then but that was sort of my first touch point really and and uh, yeah so I thought wow that's that's really interesting what these guys are doing and so I went um to the offices for, for an interview and that's when I felt the, the vibe for the first time and now imagine me coming from co-op which is like the most traditional company uh, that you can find here in Switzerland uh, the real estate industry also very 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 um, old school and I come into these offices from beekeeper and you know the the meeting rooms they're um, they're named after Star Wars planets and stuff and I'm like, oh man, this is it, Brett. This is it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But then sales, and you know, they introduced me very well. I got the job. Um, and and we started the training. We we used to have ring rings in the morning, um, something that we called flight school every Friday afternoon, where we would practice together. You know how to handle objections or. Um, how to open up in a, in a discovery call and so on. So it was really the best school. And I started, I started to realize that I really love 
having these conversations on the phone first, qualifying and, and doing these discovery calls and booking the meetings. And and yeah, that's that's where the journey started. <laughs> yeah, no, I think then you went really like the, the classical journey pretty quickly, right? Like because you got a promotion every year, if I might say, uh, from business development rep, like generating demand, like doing discovery calls, junior account executive, account executive, senior account executive. Um, so congrats on that success. Um, right now in your role as senior account executive, we see many people in startups struggle um, to close large deals. Like, I mean, you have product market fit as beekeeper, but it's like, hey, like anything beyond 100K is hard. It's like seven to 15 people, it's long decision journeys. There's a lot that can go wrong. People leave the company, there's politics. What's two actionable insights that help you close deals on a predictable basis? <laughs> well, there, there are so many things to that question. Uh, it's, 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 it's a very, very open question, but I think if I want to narrow it down, maybe to two things is one thing, is really you need to understand that you're not doing this alone and you won't ever be able to do close a deal like that alone. So you need to have a strong team surrounding you and you need to leverage that team. And you need to understand that you're an orchestrator as an account executive in an enterprise environment and, and you really pull in the best resources at the right time. And I think if you can do that very effectively, then that's going to be uh, a huge part of your success. So, you know, bringing in the CEO at the right time or not bringing him in, in at the right time is also maybe a thing. Um, but, you know, you, your CEO from yeah. Beekeeper, like Chris, or from the yeah. company side, when to actually get it escalated to the C level, so to say? Uh, that's a fair question, too. Um, no, I was referring now uh, to bringing in our CEO. Like, uh, bring Chris to the table uh, at, the, mm -hmm. at the right moment in time or Danny or CCO but even uh, someone from product you know uh, whether it's case and in, in the C-level or just a solution architect you know what you say is always that the table for each meeting should look like uh, there's a mirror in between so yeah. if I am there there's a project lead on the other side or an evaluation expert procurement but there's also maybe a, an IT architect so we should bring our solution architect as well and if somebody from C-level is there then definitely we should match that but that's that's a bit one-on-one right um, yeah absolutely so that's definitely one one of the big learnings for me and the other one is and that's um yeah, I sort of realized last year um, throughout a big deal we were working on, it's, there's this expression I was taught uh, by Chapman. He's, he's, he's one of the first guys at Slack. So mm -hmm. uh, Slack to, you know, electronic arts and so on. And he coached me through a deal and, and he said, you, do you know the term happy ears? And I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't. Um, <laughs> And it's really that thing, you know, you ask your champion, it's like, hey, are you sure you can sign in three weeks or are you sure we're good to move <laughs> forward to the next step? And whenever they say, yeah, don't worry, that's like alarm clocks running or, you know, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't believe it. 
that's when you need to worry and uh, that's when right. you are questioning more right when when basically you go into sales call and you're under pressure from quota and you're really excited and then um you're always like are oh, you excited about just like oh let me take it back and they will evaluate internally and we'll see and you go back to zero and like hey these people are so excited and this will close for like 50 to 100k like next month because they're a huge company and it's huge success like nah not at all what the prospects no no, no. <laughs> you really you really need to be paranoid you know um urs brenner from birth capital he, he said to me once ollie you always need to be um very paranoid about what's happening in your deal so you right. always need to worry about what can happen um you know, for you to mess up the deal or what, what potential risks are there? And you, that radar needs to be on all the time. So basically what you do is you imagine yourself closing these monsters and how you can celebrate. And, but while you're doing it, you're constantly paranoid of not being able to celebrate. So you just, you know what I mean? So you, yeah. all the time the, the radars are on and you're just moving forward. Um, every time you hear good news, it's okay to be happy about that, but always question it. <laughs> it's it's so easy to get lost in this happy ears um, phenomenon. You hear good news and then yeah. you believe it and you stop questioning. So um, there, you know, calming yourself down and or maybe pulling out some emotions and being more rational. Um, and doing further discovery exactly in these moments, that's very, very important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I love this one. And I think this happy ears phenomenon is so common across salespeople and uh, they hear what they want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> like what, what do you use? Like something like a post-mortem question a lot, like which works well for, for me, for example, like, hey, if in one month we have this decision call and everything where the business case is sound, like there's trust, like the industry use case makes sense, the RI makes sense. Um, we provided you with a reference call, but we don't end up working together what went wrong. For, for me, that's one of like the most, most, most powerful questions yeah. because it makes people think it's like, hmm, nothing will go wrong. So, like, so we can see, sign a deal now. Like, no, we can't. Like, why not? Yes, yes. So you, you're yes. hunting for a no, not for a yes, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And, and sometimes people are cautious about that because they think, no, mm -hmm. you shouldn't ask any negative <laughs> question and so on. No, you need to, that's such a powerful question. And also it's, this is like my question I learned from Chris <laughs> because he always used to do that or he, he would, he would uh, suggest to me to do that. And it's really, you know, looking at, our collaboration so far everything went right is there anything that could potentially risk our uh, partnership for the future yeah and if you say is there anything that's when they start thinking about oh wow what else do we need to do until we get there and you always want your prospect to think about that too right so you can sort of path out the way together um towards the signature yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then how do you handle it if prospects tell you like, hey, I'm in charge, like I, I got this, only don't worry, like we'll just like have a meeting in a month, but now discuss with the board, my boss, like my team. 
and like ah there's no chance in the world you will explain beekeeper and like create as much value in people's heads and create as much urgency as i could in my job yeah and people are like like you can ask <laughs> like hey like can i get a seat at the table can i join the meeting with your head of operations or your head of like people uh and employee success and it's like no I, no i totally got this like you don't <laughs> what do you do yeah i mean you would also want to be there of course but honestly in an enterprise environment you have to accept the fact that oftentimes you're not going to be there when they yeah. talk about your solution and that's why your champion is so important and if you if you arm him with the right weaponry and if you build him in a way that he can he can really sort of operate on your behalf he's your spy behind yeah. behind the wall right He's operating within this organization on your behalf. So your champion really needs to be very well equipped, um, sort of like a real spy, right? James Bond, <laughs> he can do everything, right? <laughs> so so what, uh, what do you think of this distinguishing or like the qualified sales leader, John McMahon, um, part of Medic? There's a huge difference between a coach, a spy and a champion. And yes. sometimes people are like, I have a champion. It's like, no, you have a coach. Like yes. the intern can be your coach and, and Matt York for you, but he will not be able to tell us you need to do this right now. Yes, yes, yes. Um, John McMahon, the goat, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, it's an interesting take. And I think most deals that went right for me, I sort of had both a champion and a spy, if you want so. So the back channel that you can use if, you know, something's going wrong, um, or you don't get an answer, you're being ghosted after, you know, you both put a lot of work in it. You need to know what's what's going on. And I, I had a similar situation just right now. And it turns out that the lead, um, the, the procurement lead uh, for the entire uh, project in a project uh, for about 40K employees, it's a French company, um, so that's like six figures, basically. Like that's like 120, 250k AR deal for you, right? If I do the math right, um, if, if it's basically all of them, actually is actually it's like a half a million ARR, I, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> you know, we're supposed to receive um, further questionnaires, and we know we're waiting on that, and you don't get an answer, and. You know, you reach out, you write emails, you have different contacts, of course. Um, so you reach out to these people as well, but also they, they don't know what's going on because it's a large enterprise and mm -hmm. nobody really um, sees, sees into other people's teams or departments. And uh, it's also very political. Maybe they know, but they're, they don't want to say. So you need to have this, this spy and this spy can, in exactly these times, be very, very valuable. And that's um, exactly what we had, this back channel. And we, we heard now that this person in charge of the project um, is not working there any longer. So the delays are, are natural, you know? Yes. Not really something we need to worry about. It's just a delay in the project. And I think it's also, um, yeah, it's part of the game, right? It happens. Uh, but it's good if you know, because otherwise you're just worrying for nothing. And, and then also maybe um this is now a great time because she was sort of uh, being a, a a gatekeeper gate watcher 
So mm -hmm. now we can reach out to other people as well that maybe she wouldn't wanted us to reach out to. Um, so it's a good chance too to open up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And how does it look like for you when you when you close such a large deal? I mean, often there's a bit of implementation. Adoption is important also uh, because when you close it, it's closed. But in a sales business, retention is crucial, right? Like when do you hand off to customer success? How closely are you still involved for up cross-selling uh, to expand over time? Yeah. Like where do you draw the line as, as an account executive in your world? Yeah, it's, uh, it's maximum one year. Um, yeah, you know, if, if we see that a project is going very well, um, then there's no need for me to be there and, and, and an account manager can take over. Um, but it's very important. I mean, these <laughs> larger companies and these enterprises and, you know, the sales cycle is so long that you really have time to build a relationship. You, I can say that some of these champions, they're friends now more than champions for beekeeper and it's funny how that happens so it's it wouldn't be uh, good advice to you know not make use of that of that uh, level of of of, of relationship uh, so as long as we can do it um we will do it one year is a good time because also there are different things that i should be doing and i should be focusing on new business as well but i think the first year is so very very crucial because you're rolling out and you're discovering a lot of things um the interest internally is very high you, you know you have different departments being exposed exactly to your project to your solution and that's when you can when you have the chance to you know, it's, discovery is still going on. So that's when you when you have the chance to still talk to these people and discover new use cases that that uh, can leverage, you know, whatever impact your product has. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, guess, I guess we all got some, some scars from some war stories where things didn't go according to plan. So they obviously don't need to name like customer name or so, but what, what's one story that, that will stick with you for basically ever? That's um, that that's basically like where you thought like this is going well, and at one point it just didn't. For, for me, that's like I always have this in mind: like who the fuck is when? Because I was room with chief digital officer, CIO, head of IT, head of like the system, condom manager, and in the end, like the CDOs are like they launch everything, like, great pilot. It's like that's great. Now you only need to convince Sven, and I was like, who the fuck is Sven? So you're sitting here with seven <laughs> stakeholders, and now comes in number eight after four months, and. Sven was a guy that was with the org for 20 years and asking like, what are your challenges? And like, I don't know. I don't have any. What's your team doing? I don't know. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah, but we, we could like save your team like 50% of time. They could go home Wednesday. Like, yeah, maybe. But IT is busy. Like, I'm just coming from the IT guy. He's committed. Uh, but may, maybe. <laughs> and they killed the deal. And be just because I, I mapped seven out of eight stakeholders and I forgot one. <laughs> That's, oh, man. It just happened. I think every one of us has to go through at least one of these experiences. And it's really, sometimes you ask the question and they don't really answer it properly and you really need to nail it down. You really need to ask more. It's like, is this really everything? And it comes back, Manuel, it comes back to the happy ears thing because, you know, they sort of don't want you to do the discovery sometimes. It feels like it because they're like, yeah. no, 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 I got it all under control. But it's our job <laughs> because also for the prospect, for your champion, you know, 
they need to they need to worry ahead of time about these kind of things and even right now i'm i'm in a larger deal with a german retailer and you know we know that the the owners a family owned business we know that the owner at some point you know he will get his eyes on this project exactly and we 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 need to say hey you know when that moment comes he's he's plus 90 years old so when that moment comes you need better be to good answer yeah huh sorry it, it better be good right when the person yeah. is like the person will not know the details and the intricate in the business case the person will just feel like this is good or this is not good yeah yeah, yeah. and then the question is going to be what phones for the people working in my stores mm, i don't know and you 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 better have a very solid business case uh by the time that question pops up and Or you get great, like what we recommend, like our B2B SaaS startup customers as well, like get video testimonials for the sale. Like if you have a champion, like have a a three minute Zoom meeting, like record and have like the head of X, have like the the project manager, have somebody recorded that you you cut it together, right? Pretty simple. And that you have that as an internal case, like, hey, I'm I'm, I'm just saying these are you people wanting that. So not me, but... Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. We never did it this way. Um, maybe quotes, of course, not video testimonials. It's very strong. No, actually, I did with uh, with a Swiss company, and we sort of recorded this role play where you know the frontline worker sort of enters the room and uh, does his job, and then it loses his nerves and, and, and goes ranting about <laughs> things that are not right. And then bam, the solution is here. You know, it's in his, in his hand, uh, having it in on the phone. And that's what we recorded. But I think that's very, very powerful. If you don't have to sell yourself, if, if the product is being sold for you um, by internal stakeholders, very, very, very uh, strong thing. Yeah, no, I think it's easier actually because otherwise you go back and you create like this 20, 30 page slide deck and the Excel case and yeah. then like you write down the quotes instead of having just like the three to five key stakeholders actually doing that and putting that together for you. And then you have a video. I mean, we use videos as like this in every single walkthrough so that it's at least a seat at a table when somebody, somebody can just forward the email. Here's a three minute loom video walking through the offer. That, yeah, well... I think we would never present an offer without having a meeting first. Yeah. So if, yeah, it, it doesn't work. No. <laughs> then you, have common. Like, no. you need to talk about this stuff before. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Enduring, right? Like I always find yeah. it scary if some customers that are working with and we review the CRM pipeline and there's like 27 offers pending. I was like, when's the meeting to discuss you? Oh no, they asked like, send us an offer. And we did. And now we wait for three months. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, you need to chase them. <laughs> you need to chase. No, really, I, I think no offer without a meeting. Um, that's definitely something, yeah, you can work with uh, in an enterprise. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. if, if you have larger, like really large deals and you're negotiating uh, over the course of three months, um, then maybe if you adapt your, no, even then, you always need to have Never. a meeting. To Never, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Now, now let's maybe talk for for a second about talent, right? I mean, Ooh. I recently published a post, uh, made a few people angry, like the war for sales talent is over, talent is won. And I got some angry direct messages like, hey, you're not helping startup founders here, like recruiting talents. Like I'm just stating reality. Like 
what does it take to not only source and acquire talent like you, but also keep you? Because four and a half years is probably two to three years longer than the average sales rep at Beekeeper, also, if we're honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my hiring process was um, highly unusual, I would say, because you <laughs> seldom... So meet, it, meet in a bar, have a few yeah, beers. Exactly. Say we're more That's, exciting than real estate exactly, in a exactly. whole company. But what kept me there, um, honestly, I mean, the team is great. I love the product. Uh, I love how we developed. And, you know, even if we faced crazy obstacles or internal discussions, we would always find back. I really do... Uh, believe a lot in in our ceo which is a very important thing for a startup i think the founders and also flavio as as uh, you know the creative and sort of brain uh, uh in the background because this man i'm telling you he lives in 2030 so he's he's real visionary um too and and i think that's very important so if you have the people inspiring the people they hire you know, as leaders, this is a very important thing. But um, that's not where it ends because Mila was my boss. And for the first time in my life, I can say really, I had a boss who had a, a personal interest in my personal growth. And that's just a game changer. And, you know, if you if you look at the people that came out of her team, like uh, Lars Mangelsdorf and so on, and very, so many people, or Alexis uh, uh, as well, um, working with Patrick Trumpy at, yeah. at Unique. And, you know, that doesn't happen for no reason. That's really because you have a great sales leader. And and, and that's what kept me there. And also, you know, uh, I told you at the beginning of the call, we had these ring rings, we had these flight schools, we were talking a lot about how we can do things better and constantly um, challenging ourselves and, and uh, bringing each other on the next level. And and that's just a lot of fun because it works. You're getting better and, and you're being trusted with more. And then you get promoted because um, you're getting the support to actually grow together with the company. Yeah. 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 I think that that's, that's a fantastic um, statement. <laughs> so like aim, aim into that, like anything else that you'd like to pass on to our listeners, um, like how can they not becoming like you, that, that sounds very cheesy without the, the smoking and pizza and hip hop, maybe, uh, if they like. <laughs> <laughs> no, just joking, but what, what, would, what, what would you give to your former self like five years ago? Like, hey, Oliver 2016, this is what you need to do to become a top producing rep, closing six figure deals, and having a great career and need to be sauce sales. There's really only one thing. You have to believe that everything is possible. And if you start limiting yourself, that's where you go wrong. Honestly, I, uh, I had to speak uh, for our sales kickoff at Beekeeper. And that, that was the question that was asked, like what, what did make you successful? And I could really go back in my track and I know where I set my, my personal limit because I would do an Excel file, for instance, saying that's where, what I want to reach this year. And I always ended up exactly where I put the needle. And even if it was bad, like if it didn't formulate my personal goal very well, I would, for instance, close um, 
the biggest deal and most ARR, but I wouldn't overachieve my target by so and so much. Right. Um, yeah, stop limiting yourself and believe in yourself. Yeah, I think for, for human beings that that's very hard to go further than you imagine it to go. Like it's yeah. very hard to set out to run 10 kilometers and then go for 12. It's, it's much easier to set up for a half marathon and then maybe at 15 you walk. Like I did. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No. So, uh, yeah. Don't uh, limit yourself. There's no yeah. limit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, amazing, amazing, like finishing words. Thanks so much uh, for joining us on the B2B SaaS Startup Sales Podcast or B2B SaaS Sales Podcast. Today, um, what I took away, a uh, few learnings from you, like be paranoid, constantly have your radar on what could go wrong until a deal is closed, avoid the happiest phenomenon. And um, yeah, just, just constantly try to understand what you, what you don't see. Also, never do large deals alone, work closely with you and your prospects team. Um, bring in like the CEO, bring in like the chief customer officer, get a champion and a spy or a coach. Um, so you need to know what's going on if procurement leader leaves or so. And also special credits to Mila for keeping you around for four and a half plus years at Beekeeper with no signs of ending this journey because she, she truly cares about um, you, about Lars, about Alexis and also develops you accordingly. And all the other leaders too. And all the other people. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. The, the whole bee, the whole beehive. Absolutely. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Manuel, for having me. Have a great day. Bye. You too.